0: ...wires a uh, wonderful offering of themselves in song and for the beauty of the organ and piano music that we have already heard. This is part of the delight of the season for me. Is it for you? I just uh, absolutely feel immersed in the season when hearing this beautiful music and I'm grateful to you all for sharing so graciously and I look forward to next Sunday night... Let me say another word as well to you all, um, about, particularly about my mother's death, which came very suddenly last uh, Saturday a week ago, um, yesterday a week ago. Uh, we had been sharing with her the journey of Alzheimer's for several years, uh, but did not expect her passing, and so we were caught off guard. Uh, we gathered for her funeral over in Adrian, Georgia, the little town in which she was born and where she grew up. Uh, We had the service in the Adrian United Methodist Church there. I'm not sure that the rafters are in quite the same condition after our singing in that place. We sang such beautiful hymns together in celebration in remembrance of my mother, who sang more outside of church than in church. She sang all the hymns whenever she went to worship, but she loved to sing at home, and I can remember her um, singing while she was preparing meals for us or sewing or cleaning up around the house or just Spending time, she would just. She was like a walking Cokesbury hymnal. She was an amazing lady. Just loved music so, and we celebrated her life. And we gathered as a people, not a people who do not have hope, but a people that are very much filled with the promise of hope. And we, uh, of course, grieve her passing. But I knew as well that I was surrounded by the company of many prayers, many of you who were praying, and community of Christ. Uh, That looks for his coming at the right time and in the right way. And so, thank you so much for lifting our family up through these days. It is hard for us to imagine the effects of exile, you and I, who live in such a protected place um, here in this nation. We do live in a protected place. You realize that, do you not? the United States of America, not that it does not have its difficulties, but the world looks at us mesmerized at how protected it must feel to be a resident of this country. We see news clips of other situations, such as what has been happening in recent times in Syria, and particularly in Afghanistan, But we are protected from this collective stress and dislocation of people. Those that are gathered into refugee camps look almost like oddities. Of course, it arouses within us a sense of compassion for their situation when we see the the actual tents that they are living in. And we hope to ourselves that these are very temporary structures, and yet, It seems that the longer the camps are in place, the longer they stay there. They become permanent residences for many of the people who live out the course of their days. You know that the scripture that was read this morning from Isaiah chapter 40 is a scripture that has to do with the Israeli people being in exile It was a desperate situation. They had lost everything that they owned, everything that was familiar to them. At least the powers that be were carried off by this monstrous national power uh, into their country in order to pull the plug on everything that was Jewish in Jerusalem and in Israel. For 70 years, they were there as captives. And the Psalms, if you read the right ones, give sort of a shadow of what was going on. There we hung up our lyres when our captors required of us songs. How can we sing songs in this place? They could not think about doing that. Their hearts were broken. When finally they had experienced more than they ever thought they could bear, finally there is this word that resounds throughout heaven and is offered by the prophet that comes to them Comfort, comforts my people. It is a voice of promise, it is a voice of comfort that every valley will be lifted up and every mountain will be made low, and that there will be this even place that the Lord Himself will create as He comes in His power. And even more so, as He comes, His purposes will be self-evident that He comes not to ridicule and condemn to hold it over the heads of those that may have brought some of this on themselves. But he has come in order to rescue them and to redeem them. He will feed them as a shepherd. And he will even take care of the mother sheep, leading them to places of protection. This is a voice of promise. You and I forget this. You and I live in a world where somebody has to be to blame ultimately. There is a prophetic quietness right now, but hear me out on this. It won't be for long. It will not be for long because prophetic voices are always a part of the undercurrents of what are going on in this world. Have you seen calendars for sale? If you've been into any shops, you've realized that 2015 is very soon upon us. And every kiosk seems to have a place for calendars. You can buy calendars of all sorts if you go into the malls or the shops or wherever. You see them all around. You can buy calendars with kittens on them. You can buy calendars with puppies on them. If that's not enough for you, if you want the grown-up variety, you can buy calendars with cats on them. You can buy calendars with dogs on them. You can buy calendars with old cars on them. You can buy calendars with new cars on them. You can buy calendars with landscapes of all sorts. You can buy calendars with seascapes. Whatever is your notion, they've got a calendar for you. But today we're talking not just about calendars in general. We're talking about prophetic calendars. And let me tell you that this is something that is always out there. Even if we are not aware, there are individual, individuals that are doing their eschatological math, even at this very moment, trying to figure out when Christ will return and God will make things right. Do you remember the recent attempts at this? Do you remember, does anybody remember the Mayan calendar of 2012 that... Thing that kept us wondering and waiting, and even though we might have thought that God does not function on a Mayan calendar, we had our fingers crossed, right? As we were beginning to think, could it be that they saw something even before we might have? Do any of you remember in 2011 Harold Camping? as he gave his predictions of the end times and at first had predicted that it would occur in May, but then did his recalculations when May passed and he said, oh, no, it's going to be October of this year. I'm not sure where Harold Camping is right now or what he's doing. Do any of you remember the effects of the warnings of Y2K. Of course, that was a biggie. That was huge. The changing out of a millennium doesn't happen just every day. This is big stuff. And yet here we are. Do any of you remember the name Hal Lindsey, the late great planet Earth and all of that that came out so many years ago? Some of you may remember your history and remember the Millerites that dressed in white robes and gathered on the hills and they were waiting. They were waiting in expectation of the imminent return of Jesus and the end to all of this that we know. Let me tell you, this is still out there. The rumblings of it are still under the surface. I had lunch with someone here in Statesboro not too long ago. I thought it was just going to be lunch. It wasn't just lunch. When I sat down to eat the meal this person across the table from me immediately began to quiz me about the writings of Daniel and Ezekiel and the writings of Revelation John on the isle of Patmos and I'm not an expert on this stuff and I didn't have an answer but that was okay because they filled in the answers for me <laughs> they told me what was going to happen and and it was dire it was dire This picture that they were painting of the impending doom that was about to come on, not just Statesboro, they were talking about all of us, all of the world. And they were making preparations, very, very serious preparations. I come before you to say that that the message of the scripture that I read it is critically important that we read it, I think, in the way that it was intended. Not just as a warning, but this expectation that God will do far more than just destroy. God is always creatively acting, redemptively acting among us. And why is that the case? I mean, this is what we are celebrating at Advent. We are not celebrating the promised coming of God or his return to to, to flatten out the earth and to burn everything with his divine fire. But he is coming to redeem us. He cares for us. This is a voice of promise to us. If we listen carefully to both those readings today from Isaiah and Second Peter, we will detect God's love for us. His compassion for his people. It may be that you looked into fear, as I did, and you experienced pain in some of the recent events that have so been in the headlines and are still talked about here in these United States. The events in Ferguson. I'm not talking simply about the death of Michael Brown back in the summer, but. But the recent, more recent events of the the court ruling and its announcement, and then, of course, the communities erupting in anger and the protest there, and that spilling across our nation into so many cities. It may be that you thought to yourself fearfully, what in the world is going on here and what will go on? Let I me... Mean, share with you that there were lots of reactions during this time. And in fact, I have listened enough to uh, the pundits on both sides that everyone seems again to be pointing the finger at who's to blame. You and I must realize that there's a larger problem here. Don't you see it? That you and I are a part of a culture that is very much under the surface, not at rest, not at ease. You and I are plagued by things, some which we have set in motion, that take us to places of great concern and worry and pain and suffering, and some which we may not have had a thing to do with in our minds. And yet we are all bound here together in this place. It is a larger problem. What is God's concern with this? And where might we see the scripture at work in our lives? God is here with us to restore to us this promise and this hope. This epistle that Peter wrote, this letter that he wrote, that was passed around among the churches in the first days following Christ's leaving. This letter was meant to be a letter of hope among the people, a letter of promise. This waiting that you and I do becomes so filled with impatience either because we are at the point of despair or we have settled into the idea that distraction will get us through. Neither of these are a good answer to the problems that we see around us. You and I must claim this voice of promise, this voice of hope. Do you remember what was said here? Since all these things are to be dissolved in this way, what sort of persons ought you to be in leading lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening, another translation says, or earnestly desiring the coming of the day of God? Because of which the heavens will be set ablaze and dissolved, and the elements will melt with fire. But in accordance with his promise, we wait for new heavens and a new earth where righteousness is at home. Peter says, God is patient with us because he doesn't want a soul to perish. You and I think that perhaps the correct result, the correct reaction to the events that occur in our world might be to point the finger at the one who truly must be to blame. I tell you that that's ineffectual. And it really flies in the face. Of what God is about. Don't you realize that he doesn't want a soul to perish. God does not want a soul to perish. Are you and I of that same promise? Is that voice a part of who we are? Do we look expectantly, not pointing at certain ones, but looking expectantly at all people? with a hope of the promise of what God wishes to be. You and I are called to be a people who strive to be found at peace. You heard those words, didn't you? Therefore, beloved, while you are waiting for these things, strive to be found by him at peace. What does that mean? Well, maybe in the culture in which we find ourselves it is to be peacemakers. I was in an assisted living facility just the other day, and this lady walked down the hallway. She must have been she must have been eighty five and she was tottering along. But what was fascinating was the button that she was wearing on her lapel. I don't know who gave her permission to wear that button. But she had it broad and clear right there on her lapel. And you know what it said? It said, war is not the answer. (laughs) Now, what does she think she's up to? I mean, this is a little old lady who is in an assisted living center in one little corner of this great planet. And she's wearing a button like that? Does she think that she can effect peace by wearing a button like that? I don't know. Why don't you go ask her? Why don't you go ask her? You and I are called to be found in the work of peacemaking, because that is the location where you will find people at peace. And to regard the patience of our Lord. Lord. As salvation, our active welcoming of Christ in this season of Advent is a welcoming of the voice of promise for his return.